Hi, welcome back to the Apologist Bookshelf. I'm Gary Zacharias. Let's pull another book off the shelf and take a look at some area of Christian apologetics, uh, making an argument for the truth of Christianity. And uh, every podcast, I'd like to pull off another book, take a look at it, sometimes focus on one chapter. In this case, I'm, I'm going to try to give you kind of an overview of the whole book, and I'll tell you why in just a couple of minutes. But uh, trying to encourage you to do more of your own reading or just have more knowledge as you're talking with other people, and especially to build some confidence in the truth of Christianity. So here we go. I wanted to focus on an author who's a, a fabulous individual, Stephen Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R, that's S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Stephen Meyer. And um, I've encountered a lot of his material different places. And so let I guess first things first would be to just give you kind of a quick background of who he is and uh, something about him. So he got his Ph.D. in the philosophy of science from the University of Cambridge, so no slouch there. And he now directs uh, Discovery Institute's Center for Science and Culture. Okay, now the Discovery Institute, if you don't know much about that, is an intelligent design think tank. And you can go to their site, discovery.org. And uh, they've got a lot of wonderful things there. They have a just a, a stable of some wonderful writers, uh, some good scientists, some great thinkers that talk about why we should believe that there is a creator that brought about this universe. And so uh, powerful things are coming out of that, not just Stephen Meyer, but books by a bunch of other really good authors, Jonathan Wells, Doug Axe, uh, many more, um, David Berlinski, Okay, I'm going blank, but there are a lot of other good ones. So, Stephen has authored uh, more than one book. I mean, just some amazing things. I, I read his Signature in the Cell. That came out in 2009, and that actually got voted a book of the year by the Times of London. And then he did a book after that called Darwin's Doubt. Uh, the subtitle of that one was The Explosive Origin of Animal Life and the Case for Intelligent Design. That came out in 2013. And now he's got his new one, The Return of the God Hypothesis. So let me give you just a, a quick background of his, his other writing here. So the first book, The Signature in the Cell, subtitled is DNA and the Evidence for Intelligent Design. So that one was examining the mystery of the origin of how you got the first life. How do you get life from non-life? That's an incredible problem for scientists today. How do you get life from non-life? It's been extremely difficult. You know, at one time, they thought they had it pretty well figured out. Uh, they did things like the Miller-Urey experiment, and you might have heard about that. I think that was back in the 1950s. And the idea was you took some of the gases that you thought were on the early Earth at one time in the atmosphere. They hit them, those gases, with an electrode, kind of like a spark, spark plug, and it created a, some goo at the bottom of a flask and ended up being amino acids. And they said, great, we solved it. That's how you get it. You have lightning hit the atmosphere, and bingo, you got amino acids. And before too long, they turned themselves into little critters. Well, that's been totally debunked now, and the scientists are back to square one. They're having an awful time trying to figure out how you get something from nothing. And so Stephen Meyer's book shows how difficult that is without an outside help, in the, uh, of course, in the form of a god. Then he wrote a book, Darwin's Doubt, and then he took a look at all of life's history, including 
how do you get life started? So in a way, these are kind of out of order books. Darwin's doubt is how do you get uh, life, the origin of life and the origin of animal life and the biological information that you need to make this happen. So that was Darwin's doubt. So we go signature in the cell, we go Darwin's doubt. And now he's got a book called Return of the God Hypothesis. That's a great title, isn't it? Return of the God Hypothesis. It's been gone for a while, but it's back. So that's good to know. So what's he doing in this one? Well, let me uh, see if I can find something here real fast to have you take a look at. Uh, I wanted to find... Oh, now I don't see it in front of me. Anyway, there are a bunch of uh, people who have commented on this book and how powerful it is. But uh, I'll skip that for now because I need to keep moving on this. So uh, if you want to see more about Stephen Meyer, go to either discovery.org or he's got his own website, Stephen C. Meyer, all one word, Stephen. Remember, that's P-H-E-N, Stephen C. Meyer.org, M-E-Y-E-R. And, uh, oh, I know, I, I want to mention one other thing that he's done. He has a series that was put out called True You, T-R-U-E, and then a capital U. And he does a wonderful series for high school and college students about why we can trust the Bible, uh, who Jesus is, the New Testament documents, some amazing things. So he, he just, he's all over the place. He does some great things. He's been on television shows. I think I forgot to mention that. Uh, I, I wrote him out here. He's been on the News Hour, CBS's Sunday Morning, Nightly News on NBC, World News, ABC, Good Morning America, Nightline, Fox News, and on and on. So uh, a wonderful guy. Uh, he's got a wonderful personality, a very genuine, warm individual. So let's take a look at this book, uh, The Return of the God Hypothesis. And, and what I mentioned before is what I'd like to do now. Instead of just taking one chapter and going almost page by page, this is such a big book, and it can be kind of daunting to a lot of people. And frankly, as much as I love science, uh, I got bogged down in a few spots myself, and, and I love reading. And uh, but he's got so much material, and it, it backs he backs up everything that he says with tons and tons of research, and uh, showing what others have come up with. So. It's a powerful book, but I think what I would like to do, if that's okay, is to give you kind of a once-over for the whole book because I don't want people scared off and not even encountering. It's, it's worth reading, but it's going to be a challenge. So he calls it Return of the God Hypothesis. He starts off and he says, you know, they've done a poll, and they found that more than two-thirds of people who call themselves atheists and a third of people that call themselves agnostics say that science... It's what drove them away from the idea of God, that science is leading away from God. Why is that? Well, we'll get to that in just a second here. According to those surveys, things like how life arose and the development of life, those ideas have led more people to reject faith in God than suffering from disease or death. I always thought that was the number one cause. How can there be a good God if there's so much disease and suffering and death? Now, his point, though, is that science has pivoted because it's called return of the God hypothesis. Well, what's going on? Why? What findings out there in science are starting to move people more toward the idea of God? Well, he says three things. So his whole book is going to cover these three things, and that's what I'd like to do briefly. 
at least in this podcast, the first point that's turning more people toward God is evidence from cosmology, the study of the universe. The fact that it wasn't all that long ago, it's been you know within 100 years, that people have realized that this universe that we look out on had a beginning. People thought it was there forever before. If it's there forever, you don't really need a creator, do you? So starting the universe, how do you get a universe? All right, so that's the first one, that it had a beginning. He says, secondly, the, the new point that's again bringing people more around toward the idea of God is evidence from physics. There are all these physical laws out there, like uh, you know the uh, the force of uh, things within the atom, the the uh, way stars form, the expansion rate of the universe, the way the electromagnetic spectrum works. I mean, on and on and on. The universe appears to be what's called finely tuned to be proper for life. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about those two. The third one that he says. So now we're talking about getting a universe started, in other words, it has a beginning, showing that the physics of the universe is precise to give us the kind of life we have here. The third evidence, he says, comes from biology. And he show, he's, he's going to spend time showing that all this new functional genetic information is necessary to get new life forms. Well, where do you get information? From a mind. And that's where he's going to go with the idea of God. So those are the three so we'll get to the three in a little bit more uh, depth in just a second. Remember, it's called the return of the God hypothesis. He said, actually, science started. The science that we love today started because of Christianity, among all the cultures in the world, because only Christianity gave people the presuppositions that under, undergird the whole rise of science. So things like we're created in the image of God. This is a rational universe. God said it's good. Uh, he gave us a mind as human beings in his image. And so we can go out and we can explore this universe. So there was a great positive feeling. There was a great optimism that we could begin to discover the mind of God if we went out and looked at the universe. That was only because of Christianity and only in the Western world. So congratulations as far as Christianity goes. It's the winner. It's the one thing that produced science. Kind of funny, isn't it? Science today looks down on Christianity, but that it's its uh, ancestor. It's the one that brought it about. Anyway, he says, well, then what happened that this theistic foundation started to fade? He said, well, you can go back to the Enlightenment and thank the people of that time, the idea that they've replaced God with human reason. All you need is human reason. That will that'll solve everything. And then secondly, he said there was just skepticism about the existence of God. And then third, he says the rise of what he calls scientific materialism. Well, what's that? It just says matter and energy is the fundamental reality. You don't need God. It's, that's the only thing that counts in this universe. So he says those are the things that have really hurt Christianity's uh, idea of, of the value of Christianity on science. Well... Remember, he says there are three things that are returning us to the God hypothesis. So let's go through the three fairly quickly here. So the first is the creation of the universe. After all, they came up with the Big Bang, and now that seems to be pretty settled science. And if there's a Big Bang, 
as Greg Kokel says, you need a big banger. Somebody's got to get that thing started. So you've got the, the science suggesting now that there was a point in which matter, space, time, and energy did not exist. And something outside of matter, space, time, and energy had to bring the universe into existence. Well, what do you call stuff that's outside the natural world? You call it supernatural. So something supernatural had to bring it about. And uh, he tells a, a great story here about a Caltech astronomer, Alan Sandage, who went to a religion, uh, went to a convention, and announced that he had had a religious conversion, and it kind of shocked everybody. He said the scientific evidence of a creation event had contributed to a change in his worldview. And here's a quote: "Here's evidence for what can only be described as a supernatural event. There's no way that this could have been predicted within the realm of physics." as we know it. So it changed a person completely. So he's one evidence of this return of the God hypothesis. So the creation of the universe, how do you get something from nothing? Logically, it has to be something kick-started the universe. It can't be a series of infinite regresses. So there's the first thing. That's starting to turn people toward the idea of a God, that the universe had a beginning. Here's the second one. It's called fine-tuning. He quotes all sorts of people that are not Christians, and they say some interesting things. There's an astrophysicist named Luke Barnes. He says, Fine-tuning suggests at the deepest level that physics has reached, the universe is well put together. The whole system seems well thought out, something that someone planned and created. Look at those words that he's thought out and planned and created. That suggests a mind. Paul Davies, he's a British physicist, Interesting guy. He does a lot of writing. I think you'd enjoy his work. He says, A really amazing thing is not that life on Earth is balanced on a knife edge, but the entire universe is balanced on a knife edge. And he said it'd be total chaos if any of the natural constants were off even slightly. Stephen Hawking, not exactly a Christian, said this, The remarkable fact is that the values of these numbers, he's talking about those numbers that make the universe the way it is, you know, like the, the pull of gravity and all these things, the value, values of these numbers seem to have been fairly finely adjusted to make possible the development of life. How about one more person, a physicist, Charles Towns. He's a no, Nobel Prize winning scientist. He said, intelligent design, as one sees it from a scientific point of view, seems to be quite real. He says, if the laws of physics weren't just the way they are, we couldn't be here. The sun couldn't be here. The laws of gravity quantum mechanics, everything, he says, has to be just the way they are for us to be here. So you can kind of picture, for example, I like to talk about this if I'm uh, into this topic in a class. I'll say, imagine a wall that has hundreds of dials, and you go over to those dials, and you have to turn each dial to a specific spot or you die. That's what we're facing with in this universe. All of these constants, all these physical laws have to be just exactly a certain way. It can't be anything else or we're not here. For, let's just take one, the expansion of space. Okay, So we don't have time here, but let's just do one example. So space is expanding, but it can't expand too quickly or too slowly. For example, if, it, if the space expanded too quickly, stuff couldn't coalesce and become stars and planets. If the expansion of space was too slow, all the material would just form one big glob. It wouldn't separate into stars and planets and things like that. 
It's just amazing what's going on out there. Um, I'll tell you another person that spends a lot of time talking about this with some excellent evidence is Hugh Ross. Yeah, he's got an organization called Reasons to Believe, and he's listed hundreds of these parameters, these physical laws that have to be exactly right. So if, if you ever want to, go there and take a look at uh, his website, reasons.org, and you'll find that out. So let's go back one more time. The beginning of the universe seems to suggest that there's a creator. The universe hasn't been here forever. Number two, the, the fine-tuning of all these laws has to be exactly right to get a universe here and get people here. And here's the third one, the biological information. We have information inside all of us, computer-like information. In fact, that's what Richard Dawkins says. He said, the machine code inside our genes, he said, is uncannily computer-like. A biotechnology specialist named Leroy Hood said the information stored in DNA is digital code. Well, where do you get code? From a mine, from a coder. Dawkins even said, uh, which is quite, quite an admission from Richard Dawkins, famous atheist, he said the information in DNA might represent, quote, a signature of some kind of designer, unquote. Now, he opts for aliens rather than God, so he tried to you know bail out of that thing. But <laughs> anyway, I think that's uh, fascinating. So those are the, the three things that Meyer suggests are turning people toward God. So that's the beginning of the universe. They now feel it had a beginning. The fine-tuning of all of the laws of physics and all. And then this idea that um, DNA on the small scale has all sorts of built-in information, and information comes from minds. So that's Meyer's new book, powerful book. Uh, just beware, it's, it's pretty heavy, pretty pretty deep, and uh, but I hope you tackle it or just read some other reviews of it and uh, read the controversy surrounding it. Uh, he always gets people angry, not because he writes in a terrible way, but just they don't like some of the, the things that he may be threatening in a sense, the idea that there, there could be a God. A lot of people don't want to face that. Uh, but he's an interesting guy. His uh, organization, Discovery Institute, is great, so you can check that out as well. Anyway, thanks uh, for joining me today on this podcast, and we'll pull another book down in a future podcast. So I thank you so much for your time.